Indeed, we have reached the weekend, championship weekend for 2021 in college basketball. It is the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. And yes, a year ago, all of this was shut down, taken away, silenced, no conference tournaments to play out on the final weekend, no selection Sunday night bracket, no NCAA tournament. Thankfully, as it stands right now, we're going to have all of this. I know there's some controversy with the ending of the ACC tournament and COVID-19 tests. We're going to get into that with our guests. And again, a reminder, however you found us, social media link or, or wherever you've been finding the show, Understand that it streams on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. Check us out under Tag Sports Group. Uh, They're on TuneIn, their free app. And college basketball coast-to-coast is starting and restarting at the top and bottom of every hour in podcast form. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts under College Basketball Coast-to-Coast. Podcast comes to you automatically when there's a new one. I'll tell you up front right now, we're going to have a brand-new selection Sunday night show in the aftermath of the game. You'll get it automatically as soon as everything's done. Again, the streaming channel on TuneIn, the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's College Basketball Coast-to-Coast. In just a moment, Mark Wise, my analyst, the former Purdue and South Florida assistant from the ESPN family of networks. He will be here. We've got to talk about the ACC cancellation, then right in his wheelhouse, the SEC tournament playing out Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Nashville, Tennessee. Later on here on the show in the podcast, Chris Dobertine is back. Bloggingthebracket.com is his site, the SB Nation family of sites. Chris is here to give me breakdown of who's on the bubble, who's in, who's out, what tournaments mean the most. Chris Dobertine later on in the show. Let us get to all of it uh, right now here on the program without delay. In fact, I will call him in. My analyst, uh, formerly with SiriusXM and Fox Sports Radio, and now for the last eight years on TuneIn. I love the insight of Mark Wise. Brother man, we have reached Friday. A little bit of a hiccup with the ACC tournament that we'll get into. It has been odd, but at least we have games. It is a weird time. It is great to have you. Lots of college basketball uh, slated for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Welcome in. Let's get to all of it. You know, TJ, it's an interesting uh, question that you pose because um, this is the first SEC tournament I will not be a part of in about 25 years, uh, either on uh, the radio side for the SEC network or the Florida Gators when doing uh, their games all those years. So that makes me a little sad. But that sadness is offset by um, um, feeling really good for the players, the coaches, the teams. And I know there have been some hiccups, and we're going to continue to talk about the hiccups, and there's probably going to be some more. Um, but at, this week I have become a fan. And so on Thursday, I think the first six games, TJ, that were finished on Thursday, uh, one was a double-figure win. That was Maryland over Michigan State. The other four Four of the six were one-possession games, and the sixth one was an overtime game. Oh, yeah. Let the madness come to me. Absolutely. And it just continued throughout the afternoon and the evening, even into the into the late night with Pac-12 overtime games, et cetera, if that's any harbinger for what Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will bring. We'll get into that SEC tournament, which cranks up big time on Friday and have Mark project for the weekend in a moment. At the time that we are taping and releasing here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, we have learned of the situation with Virginia, a positive COVID test, and the ACC has taken the step that they will not play their semifinal game. Virginia and the ACC announcing that Georgia Tech essentially gets a forfeit, a walkover, a no contest, whatever you want to call it. They're in the title game. 
Again, let me do a disclaimer. If this is later on Friday, you may know that the ACC decided not to play the other semifinal game and or decided not to play the championship game. I don't think that's going to happen, but who knows right now in a fluid time what the ACC may decide. All right, so I've just put those disclaimers out there. Mark, what's your reaction here when you already had a Duke-Florida State game that couldn't be played? Now you have a semifinal game that can't be played for the ACC. Yeah, the NCANT, North Carolina A&T, the top seed, the MEAC, uh, dropped out because of a positive test. Nothing surprising here. Absolutely nothing surprising. I'd be shocked if we get through an NCAA tournament without a, a pause or a shutdown or a replacement team. Remember that once the selection show uh, happens on Sunday night, there are 48 hours. Uh, uh, of which a replacement team, those teams in the first four out, uh, would be invited to replace another team who cannot make it. Now, there's another deadline to keep in mind. Tomorrow, uh, Saturday night at 11 p.m., is your last opportunity to tell the NCAA that you cannot make the first round because you have to have seven consecutive days of negative tests um, before you are allowed to get to Indiana or to get to Indianapolis. Right. So there are a lot of protocols involved. Uh, the NCAA has said that you can play with five players. So I'm sure Virginia at this point in time is trying to separate people, uh, trying to come up with – I'm sure they already started their seven-day window. That, that doesn't surprise me. But they're going to try and separate people and see if they can get to Indianapolis as soon as possible. So – there are a lot of moving parts here. And in terms of the ACC tournament, it, it appears, what do we know, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and Florida State are the three remaining teams in this scenario. They're all in for the NCAA tournament. Right. And so if the ACC were to say, because of the risk that you just laid out, we just we won't play the semifinal of the championship game, I could understand that. Now, ESPN... Uh, your employer for a lot of the year would be screaming about we still want the games if we can have the games and televise the games, but we'll see what gets worked well, out TJ, on that. Yeah, go ahead. Remember this: the, the conference also wants the games. Yep. Because there's money involved. Sure. So it's not just ESPN or CBS in some tournaments. I mean, everybody wants to play these. Speaking of the ACC tournament. I got a team that um, I, I think nobody's talking about that I see getting better and better. I think North Carolina is going to present a lot of problems for teams in the NCAA tournament. I agree, and that's regardless of whether they play and or win the semifinal or the championship game. You look at the way that they played against Virginia Tech, Duke last week. I'm with you. I'm with you on that out of the ACC. All right, SEC tournament, as you made reference to in Nashville, uh, getting back underway on this Friday as we're taping college basketball coast-to-coast prior to Alabama taking the floor uh, in the first of the four games in the Friday session. Arkansas is in the night session as the two-seed on the other part, the top half uh, of the bracket. Uh, the Florida-Tennessee game is obviously uh, intriguing, and we also have an Ole Miss-LSU matchup. All right, so with all of that in front of you, give me uh, 60, 90 seconds, whatever you like, on a Friday in the SEC tournament. Well, the, the Florida-Tennessee matchup is um, intriguing because they just played last Saturday in Knoxville. Now, Florida played without Trey Mann, and, that, and that's unbelievable. Tennessee um, just manhandled Florida block to block. Now, Trey Mann being out of the game, he's their leading rebounder. So 
I would come down. You, you can't talk about the um, uh, quarterfinals in the SEC, I don't think, without talking about Ole Miss because they're the only team in the SEC that's on the bubble. Uh, they're in most everybody's first four out, a win over LSU. With all the things that are happening around the bubble, uh, I think if they beat LSU, I think they're going to get in. Uh, I think this is a play-in game for Ole Miss right now because of all the other things that have happened around the bubble. It'll be interesting to keep our eye on that. And again, uh, for the SEC, you said this earlier, it's basically six teams that you believe are in and are firmly in. And so the only one right now that's maybe that variable is Ole Miss, right? That could maybe make, and Ole Miss has got to win the tournament, correct? No, I think if they beat LSU tonight, I think they will jump some teams on the bubble. That'll be a quad, another quad one win. It'll give Ole Miss four quad one wins. And I think, let's take Syracuse, for example. Syracuse is one and seven in quadrant one. They're two and seven on the road in the year. Ole Miss has a better, quote unquote, resume than does Syracuse. I love all of that. And again, Mark is going to be with me as we do the selection show on Sunday night that we've customarily done after the brackets are out and after we watch these tournaments all play out. He's with me for a few more moments. Again, follow him at MW Hoops. Usually, TJ, usually we're doing that show somewhere in an airport. (laughs) Usually the New Orleans (laughs) airport. That's exactly right. Your good call that we're doing it from the Sunbelt Championship game and the New Orleans airport. It will not be the case this year. We will not be flying the friendly skies this year for it but yeah i love that um again follow him at mw hoops on twitter uh to to get all of his insight through all of this it's time we've waited long enough i i need them let's do it and now it's time for mark wise's three wise men indeed i need three wise men with the understanding there's plenty more basketball on friday saturday and sunday to this point give me three people that stand out and why these can be players coaches conference commissioners uh, you've even thrown out uh, Dan Gavitt, the son of Dave Gavitt from the NCAA, uh, running the the, uh, the operations of the NCAA tournament. It can be anybody. It can be the women's game, etc. Give me one. Give me a wise man on this Friday. Well, wise man, number one, keeps up with the transfer portal. And you and I are going to have more and more discussion about the transfer portal, what's right about it, what's wrong about it. Look for maybe north of 1,500 players to enter the transfer portal. Well, somebody keeps up with that. So I'm going to give credit, wise man number one, Jeff Goodman, who writes for the watchstadium.com, does a, a great podcast, and another great podcast. But I, I'm telling you, I, I, first of all, I would have no interest, no interest in keeping up with the transfer portal. Just tell me who's playing next October, and I'll get with it. Yeah, the, the transfer portal uh, almost as complicated as the tax code or the COVID-19 bill that was just passed <laughs> with the $1,400 checks going to everybody. Not quite, but close, and Goodman does a fantastic job as a newsbreaker in keeping all of that up. Another wise man, woman, player, coach, someone. Who do you have, Coach Mark Wise? Everybody's looking for one of those maybe 13 seeds that could upset a four. Look at Moorhead State really closely, who just won the OBC. They, they've got something that most mid-majors do not have, a legit big man. Janai Broom, 13 double-doubles, foot ten freshman, MVP of the OBC tournament. Uh, that's something that most mid-majors do not have because they play somebody – uh, from the power conference, and they just get overwhelmed from a size perspective. The Eagles will not, thanks to Wiseman number two, Janai Broom. 
Love that. Again, the diversity across the board, uh, watching all these different teams and games. One more on the three wise men headed to the weekend of championship weekend. TJ, I have no idea how Colgate is in the top ten of the net. Now, they, <laughs> for instance, they've played Army four times this year. They had to do some creative scheduling in the Patriot League. But here's what I do know. Matt Langle can really coach. He's been in Colgate for a while, and he's doing it successfully. He's got a senior guard to keep your eye on, Jordan Burns, six foot. Uh, they're, they're in the Patriot League finals on Sunday against Loyola, Maryland. Burns averages 17-plus a game, 41% for bonus land, and five-and-a-half helpers a night. So uh, another guy to keep your eye on from a mid-major conference. All right, very good on all of the wise men. And what's going to transpire over the next 48 hours to whittle everything down to a field of 68 that gets selected on Sunday night? One more time, how eager are you for all of this? I mean, we literally are going to have 60, 70 games over the next 48 hours from the time that we're talking. I I mean, how eager are you? Well, I'm really eager. I'm really anxious about this committee and this uh, how they go about choosing um, teams that are on the bubble. I, I, I mean, I, I'm really curious how they treat Drake, how they treat Wichita State if they don't win the AAC tournament, uh, Boise State, St. Louis, Syracuse. I, I just find this fascinating because everybody says it's a data-driven process, that there is no eye test. Well, in this year where you've got less data, don't you have to rely on more of an eye test? So from that standpoint, let's see, because if Drake gets in, it's a leap of faith. It's an eye test. So that's one team to keep your eye on because net is okay, but they, they've got one quadrant one win. They've got a couple of fender-bender losses in quadrant three. Their non-conference strength of schedule is 303. You can't put Drake in based on a data-driven process. It would have to be a leap of faith. Do I think they should be in? Of course I do. But that's part of the um, uh, um, that's part of the, the the sausage making that I'm going to be real curious to watch on s- Sunday night. And we believe there will be some contradictions because you, and there always are. You will see teams that you look at their resume and say, "How are they in?" But I am in complete agreement with you. This is a bizarre year, an odd year from the metric standpoint and otherwise, where you can use the eyeball test more, and let's see if they do. One thing is for sure, a lot of teams still have a chance to control their own destiny Friday, Friday turning to Saturday, etc. Let's see how it plays out across the landscape. Mark Wise, you do a great job with me. I know you've got to run. We do as well. Thank you for spending some of Friday of Championship Week with me, and we'll talk to you Selection Sunday night when we know the field of 68. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, TJ. Looking forward to it. Indeed. Always love the insight of Chris Daubertine, but especially now that we're to the weekend, Selection Sunday night is not only within sight, it is almost within grasp, and he's been blogging the bracket, bloggingthebracket.com all along. It has been an interesting Friday before I ever got a chance to talk to you, Chris, but it's good to have you, and it's good that we have most of the basketball on the courts across the country in conference tournaments. So let's begin right there. At least we have some, if not most. We should be happy with that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, when you texted me this morning, I was, you know, just busy writing and it's like, what? What happened? And then that just completely just wrecked the morning because I have five million other things I need to do to get things right in terms of scheduling and brackets and getting everything to follow just the rules know, and all that. Just so. know I'm here for you. So I was alerting you while I was alerting a couple of other people that, hey, we're not doing that scheduled interview time right now because we're waiting to see what the ACC is going to do. And what they have decided to do is not play one of the semifinals. But at the time that we are discussing this, which is midday Friday, they are still intending to play the other semifinal which is North Carolina and Florida State, and still intending to play the championship game on Saturday night, that could change. You may know that. Chris and I don't know that right now. So I'll back up a half step with Virginia being ruled out, Georgia Tech advancing, uh, having played one game, advancing to the championship game by default. What is your reaction to all this? And should the ACC maybe consider why bother with playing these last two games for these last three teams that are already in? What are your thoughts on all that, Chris? Exactly. It's pointless. I, I think they should just go ahead and cancel it because you have Florida State who couldn't play last night because of Duke. They're coming in to play North Carolina. You know, we have Georgia Tech who can't play tonight because of Virginia. They get an automatic bye. And it just doesn't really make any sense to me why we're doing this, why we're risking any more. Because, you know, typically if, you know, we've had two teams have some sort of outbreak at this point, there's probably going to be more outbreaks following. And that and that's going to create a problem for next week, which is, you know, kind of the whole big enchilada here. Yeah, that's the whole. And, and again, the integrity of the tournament is out of whack because Florida State didn't have to play a quarterfinal game to get to the semifinals. And now Georgia Tech, again, doesn't have to play a semifinal game. Uh, there are some that are rooting on the internet as we talk lunchtime, Eastern time Friday for Georgia tech to somehow get a default win in the ACC championship. And we'll have played one team Miami in a, in a quarterfinal <laughs> game and still be the champs in the ACC tournament. Uh, that would be a mayhem uh, scenario, but just uh, again, to reinforce you have all three of these teams safely in. There is not a committee reason why they need to see much more out of North Carolina, Florida State, Georgia Tech. Yes, Chris? No, that, it would only really be for seeding at this point. I mean, those teams all want to improve their seeding. Florida State slipped a little because of what they've done late in the season, falling off a little bit. And North Carolina and Georgia Tech both kind of have, kind of have middling profiles in that, you know, kind of that 8 to 10 range. They'd probably want to get a little bit higher, but, you know, the committee doesn't really need to see any more of them at this point. Again, voice of Chris Daubertine. It is bloggingthebracket.com. You'll want to follow Chris as well at Chris Daubertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N on social media because he is going to be active, active, active all through the weekend with updates uh, on the tournaments, the results from the ACC to the Pac-12, back to the Big 12, down south to the SEC, north to the Big 10, Fort Worth, Texas. I got my eyes on you, American Athletic Conference Tournament, uh, wherever it is, Mountain West, Big East, he's all over it uh, here as part of bloggingthebracket.com and hanging with me on college basketball coast to coast. All right, perfect segue. We are going to play some in or out with you as of Friday. Before we get to that, tournament or two that comes to the forefront that you're watching not just friday but for maybe a saturday championship or a saturday semifinal give me one or two that stand out right now midday friday well, you just you. alluded to it i mean the american is the one that really kind of jumps out to me just because the, there are all sorts of very interesting storylines here we have houston houston is the two seed 
Houston, you know, is a two seed nationally. They're the two seed in this tournament because they lost to Wichita State. Wichita State, the one seed, isn't, you know, an at-large team probably if they don't win the entire tournament. So they're probably not getting in unless they win. Um, and then you have Memphis and SMU who are on the right. bubble, and SMU in particular is coming in, and they haven't played a game in over a month. You know, their quarterfinals are first game since March the 8th against Cincinnati. So there's a whole lot of interesting things that can really go there. And we talk about, you know, the other one to me is Mount West because you have three bubble, te- you have two bubble teams, San Diego State was a lock, Nevada who could really just, you know, ruin everything for bubble teams still going on. And the American to me it has even more drama just because of all of those different storylines that are kind of converging together in Fort Worth. All right, so let's back back up to the American Conference. If I hear you correctly, if Houston wins this tournament, no matter if they're playing Wichita State or someone else, that means Houston will have beaten Memphis. Do you believe at this point, again, Friday afternoon, that the American is a one-bid league, only Houston, if they get the Yeah, I think so. Wichita State might be able to sneak in if they can get to the final and, and other things break their way. But I think that, you know, Houston is really the only lock there and the shockers are probably going to be left out just because of what else is going on nationally. And again, Houston. Uh, so here's a situation. If, if Wichita state and they should defeat South Florida, USF university of South Florida in Tampa, my wife is a bull go bulls. Um, if, so my if brother. Win, if, there you go. If they win that, <laughs> the best that they can hope for is a Cincinnati or SMU win that doesn't really help Wichita state that much. And I'm yeah. not trying to play in or out. I'm just saying big picture. They will now be compared by the committee. If they don't beat Houston, they will now be compared with a Drake, with a Boise State, with a Utah State, with whomever else, Syracuse that's in the pot, St. John's, on and on that's in the pot without the auto bid. And I don't know if it's enough. for. I don't know if it's enough even. I will even say this. I want my Memphis Tigers. I'm a Memphis alum to run the table. But even if they beat Houston and they don't get the automatic bid, I I think if they were to lose the championship game, I mean, then I I think they're going to take whoever the auto bid winner is with Houston and and Memphis does not have the resume either, even with the with the Houston win. I think it's got to be win and get in for either Wichita state or my Memphis Tigers fair. Yes. Before we move on. Yes. And then you throw SMU in and I see SMU getting a lot of love from my other fellow bracketologists and I just don't see it. They haven't played in a month and they don't have a great profile in the first place. Yep. So I don't understand why they're, you know, even ranked higher than Memphis in a lot of people's pecking orders at this point. I just can't see it. Yep. All right. Well, we'll find out on that. Um, and again, the Mountain West has been very interesting because they chose to play a couple of makeup games where some teams took losses, including Boise State. Now Boise State loses again to Nevada. So yeah. they're probably uh, next they're probably out uh again same kind of question if san diego state ends up winning the mountain west auto bid would you have any concern that they don't get a second team or do you believe they will at least get a second team in the mountain west as it plays out in vegas yeah i think that whoever wins that colorado state utah state game tonight is going to be in along with san diego state i think that that's that's going to be it. And if Nevada knocks them off, I think the, the potential for a three-bed league is there as well. Love the inside of Chris. Sense. Yes, it does. Love the inside <laughs> of Chris Dobertine. It's bloggingthebracket.com, the SB Nation family of sites. This guy has been all over it as January turned to February, February turned to March. And again, I, I promise I'll get back with Chris as Selection Sunday unfolds to see what he thinks of what that 
13-person committee is going to do uh, with Mitch Barnhart as the chair of the selection committee for 2021, the Kentucky athletic director. Uh, we know Kentucky won't be in. He won't have to recuse himself on discussions about <laughs> Kentucky after they lost in the SEC tournament. Hey, uh, one more fun one, then I want to play some in or out with you. At the time that we're taping, we've got Big East semifinals coming on Friday night, including the Georgetown Hoyas and Patrick Ewing uh, advancing into the semifinals. And there's so much internet buzz and it's gone viral. The video of him, the don't you know who I am video about him being accosted. I guess accosted might be the wrong word, but at least being troubled by security, not letting him walk around without a credential, et cetera, et cetera. Where's the love for Patrick Ewing? He's right. His number is retired in the rafters at the garden. Then again, Chris, uh, Patrick Ewing hasn't played a game for the New York Knicks in 21 years. I can understand where not everybody knows who he is. It's working security in the building anymore. I, I know, but, you know, it would make more sense if, you know, he was kind of closer in size to like Bugsy Bogues or, you know, a regular old <laughs> six foot point guard. He's Patrick Ewing. He, you're not going to miss him. You're not going to confuse him for anybody else. Come on. All right. I mean, you, I, you know, to... I'm a Syracuse fan and think this is, you know, absolutely ridiculous that he's being completely disrespected. I, I love, I love his line. This is my house. Uh, I don't know, but uh, the garden is famous and he was famous in the garden for a long time. And by the way, his team in the upset of Villanova, we love the foul shooting 23. Hello for 23 at the foul line. Yeah. How refreshing is that when my Memphis Tigers can't make <laughs> 13 out of 23 and there's some other bad free throw shooting teams all over this tournament board that can't make them. How refreshing uh, is to see that, uh, that Georgetown made some foul shots, at least anyway, uh, and the buzz. All right, are you ready? Are you ready with your track shoes? Let's do a speed version. Here we go. Who's in In. or out Out. for the big dance in March? Indeed, I get to do this once more with Chris Daubertine, bloggingthebracket.com on who's in and who's out. You've kind of already alluded to this about teams that you believe are on the outside looking in. You posted uh, this morning going into Friday that St. Louis, Boise State, Ole Miss, and Seton Hall are on the outside looking in. Do you believe that Seton Hall and Ole Miss can enhance their resume enough by winning a game on Friday or more, or do they have to have the automatic bid? What about Ole Miss and Seton Hall to get in, Chris? I I think Ole Miss does simply because they're playing LSU. Um, I think that's going to be a big help for them. But the fact that, you know, Seton Hall, you know, has to play Georgetown, which is the team that's not going to make the tournament, isn't close to making the tournament unless they win the auto bid. You know, they're going to have to win the game. And while you're already, you know, playing Saturday, you might as well just go ahead and take the whole thing. And Kevin Willard, thankfully for them, has a pretty good track record in the in the Big East tournament. So that's, that's one thing kind of working in their favor. But for both Ole Miss and Seton Hall, just kind of looking at their profiles, you compare them to the other teams on the bubble, they have a lot more in terms of questionable losses than the other teams are going to be compared by. So they really need to get some wins quickly and, you know, time's running out. Time is running out on us, too, playing in or out. Syracuse Orange took that last-second loss to Virginia. You have them in or out right now as of Friday? I have them in because they have one more quality win than Louisville does, even though the profiles are very similar. And the metrics, the advanced metrics, pretty much love Syracuse at this point. And if the committee is going to look really closely at those, especially when you're thinking about all the differences in scheduling this year, 
That's something that really works to their advantage. Plus, they made a good, strong impression against Virginia and keeping that game close when the Cardinals, you know, got blown up by Duke, you know, when their last game. It's again the voice of Chris Dobbertine. We're playing a little in or out before we're done on this Friday. College basketball coast to coast. UCLA lost the last two regular season games, including the last second shot lost to USC at home. They lose the opening Pac-12 game for them in the tournament to Oregon State in overtime. Do you have the Bruins in? I know the name on the front of the jersey means a lot. Do you have the Bruins in right now on Friday, Chris? Yeah, the Bruins are in that last four buys groups. They would avoid the trip to Dayton for now. But, you know, depending on what happens elsewhere, especially, you know, you look at the Mountain West Atlantic 10 in particular, you know, if certain teams happen to win those conference tournaments, the Bruins can end up playing that extra game because, you know, they beat Colorado, they beat Arizona twice, which is a good win, even though the Wildcats aren't in the feet, aren't going to be playing in the tournament this year. But yeah, that was a bad, bad, bad loss. Uh, their first quad three loss of the year yesterday against Oregon State. Do you believe the name on the front of the jersey saves them as much as anything and helps them? It's certainly not losing the last three games that's going to help them. Well, it's that and their metrics help them too. I think their metrics really help them out. Um, the fact that they're kind of in the 40 ranges of all the computer metrics really kind of keep them around. Good to know. And you, real quick, have Drake in right now or out having lost the Missouri Valley Championship game all the way back last Sunday? Are they forgotten or are they in? I have Drake in. I actually had Drake pass Louisville in my bracket for today, and they actually don't have to play the extra game. All right. So I think that Drake, just their record, and, and again – you know, even though they, they lost a couple of bad games that are which is hurting their metrics a little bit, I think they're gonna end up having enough when compared to everybody else that's on the bubble this year to get in. And I, I think being a little more comfortably than a lot of people think. Always love the insight of Chris Dobertine, bloggingthebracket.com. Follow him at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N, all weekend long. He will be updating his sites, uh, bloggingthebracket.com, his uh, projections, his bracket projections. We love that. Promise me I get to talk to you in the aftermath of Selection Sunday and Selection Sunday night. It's almost here. We got to get like 60 or 70 games played, we hope, between now and then. <laughs> but it's almost here, my friend. Promise I get to talk to you again. Absolutely, TJ. Love Chris. Love Mark Wise, my analyst uh, from ESPN and the SEC Network. Hope you enjoyed this program. Again, find us streaming on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. Also, find us in podcast form at College Basketball Coast to Coast on Apple Podcasts. Again, we'll be back for Selection Sunday night with a Selection Sunday night show as well. Enjoy all the action Friday as we head towards the weekend. I'm TJ Reeves on College Basketball Coast to Coast.